What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm an basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers speak basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello. And welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by my man, Tim, a.k.a. Cranjus McBasketball. Tim, we're going through free agency. We're trying to go through each position, talk about what the Lakers have, what they could add to the team. Today, we've gotten to the last, possibly least important um, <laughs> position on the team is that five position that's been, you know, next to AD, the, the non-AD five guys, which were... Um, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and at times Markeith Morris. So I mean, last year we had another guy on the team who didn't end up playing because of injury and Boogie Cousins. So I was I was always really excited, man. Ever since that signing, um, you know, we did that Boogie and the Brow video at Laker Film Room and that put went a lot of work into that. And we were just kind of excited at looking at that New Orleans tape to see these two unique kind of big guys play off each other. Now, Boogie's coming off two pretty significant injuries in a row. But is he somebody that not only like I think the Lakers could bring him back, but should they bring him back? Yeah, he's an interesting one. He's someone that I was really excited about as well and then really disappointed that it didn't quite work out to better set the stage the way I think he would fit in the the path to a boogie return would be if Dwight leaves and the Lakers decide, you know what, there isn't another Dwight replacement out there. We're not going to try to do that. Instead, we're going to use that slot on boogie. Or if JaVale were to opt out of his $4 million deal, which I don't see happening. Um, but if either of those or both of those things happen, boogies would probably be the, go- the go-to guy. It seemed like the Lakers kept him around, kept rehabbing with them, kept working with him throughout the season, even when he wasn't on the team anymore. Uh, But if he's able to get back to the player that we've seen in the past, he's a really exciting fit. And the fact that, I I mean, you've seen it, you've put all that work in and seen how he can work really well with Anthony Davis. And the fact that he can be a playmaker is a huge plus. And the fact that he can just be a really good post player um, while also being a, a floor spacer, I think is really valuable. If we look at, how we want another player to fit alongside AD. You don't want someone clogging the lane for Anthony Davis or for LeBron. You want to be able to space the floor. And when Boogie doesn't have the ball in his hands, he can space the floor. And when he does have the ball in his hands, he can be someone on the perimeter executing handoffs or making some reads and set plays uh, and and being a scoring threat from the perimeter. If we just look at his three-point shot-making data, He's been in the, he was in the 89th percentile, then the 81st percentile in 2016, 2017, and then 2017, 2018. 
He was a little bit worse than that uh, the years before that. And then in 2018, 2019, he didn't play much, right? Um, with with Golden State, he wasn't quite that same guy. But if he can get back to what we saw with the Pelicans, I'd be thrilled to add him to the team. And from a fit standpoint, from a talent standpoint, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, depending on how much money you're paying him to join, I think the Lakers could get a really big bargain on him and be able to have the flexibility to take him off the floor if they need to. But uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's a guy I'd be pretty excited about just because the skills are the right skills. And he's someone that I can see having a path to being that great guy that we, we used to see in Sacramento and then in New Orleans. Gosh, it's such a tricky proposition, though, because, you know, like I said, he's coming off those two major injuries. He didn't look, you know, 100 percent to me in Golden State in those 30 games that he played for them. Um, and we did significantly see his shooting drop uh, for the first time since he really started taking volume threes in 2015-16. Uh, he dropped to 27.4 percent in that season. And, and that's kind of what we saw a little in the analysis, too, is he can be a good shooter, but he isn't a good shooter. Like, OK, he is good for that position, right? So he can do the pick and pop things. He can You can set a double high with Cousins and AD and either can pop, either could roll. You know, there's a danger there. And he's a good passer too. I think that shouldn't be overlooked. A boogie can, you know, catch that ball in the short roll and have a little bit more playmaking ability than Dwight or JaVale. But he doesn't offer the same kind of strength on a strength that... Uh, JaVale or Dwight does in, in their defense. So having a limited capability on offense and Dwight and JaVale isn't the worst thing because the Lakers offense doesn't always need them, right? Especially when they're starting. But their defensive contributions are very significant. You know, that's where they spend a lot of their energy, getting rebounds, playing, help defense, drop coverage. I don't know if Boogie is the guy. How do you think the Lakers fit the pieces around him on the defensive end even next to ad and how can they you know not make that defensive liability come out yeah the fit and the fact that anthony Davis abilities in specific areas that he'd bring uh if we look at just his his b-ball index talent grades for example his interior defensive grade is pretty good but then if you filter him against big men it it falls off a bit the playmaking's there, the perimeter shooting, we saw a drop off on like less than 100 shots. So I would have more faith in his shooting getting back to what it had been for multiple seasons as opposed to what we saw in a small sample. So I'm not too concerned there. Defensively, like you said, it's it's a more difficult fit. And that's something that as the team has grown to focus on it, I think it's something that we as fans and analysts have begun to zone in on. From a defensive rebounding standpoint, his his numbers can be good, but his uh, effectiveness can be questionable uh, among other bigs. Um, if we look at his interior defense and and just as like a help defender at the rim, he's clearly not like that same sort of athletic, like I'm going to come out of nowhere and swat your shot sort of guy. And coming off of a couple injuries, I would expect that to be diminished to an additional degree. So he's not going to be a plus as a rim protector. But having LeBron, having AD, who, you know, are our best players, but are also good secondary rim defenders 
be able to cover ground and the fact that LeBron plays that helper free safety position at least gives us a chance to have other players come and, and be of aid in those situations. It would be a step back from Dwight. It would be a step back from JaVale in a one-for-one for one comparison at the rim. But I guess with Boogie, you have to see is the rest of his game worth the step back from an interior defensive standpoint. And I think if he can bring the playmaking and open up a lot more on the offensive end, it can be worth it. In certain playoff matchups, I can see situations where he might be someone you limit minutes for, match him only with specific lineups or cut him out entirely. And if he's coming to the Lakers on a cheap deal, you can afford to do that from a roster construction standpoint and still have other options. So I'm not as worried about the downside with him because we've sh- the Lakers have shown that they have the right structure and core structure to be able to morph as needed, uh, depending on the series. So I'm less worried about that than some other teams might be if he was like your core foundational like centerpiece. Um, so I, I think that helps get me over the hill, but it definitely is a concern and something that we'd want to monitor and see how the Lakers try to work around. Yeah, we've seen what Boogie can do at this in this league at the highest level. That's the truly high upside play, right? Is getting getting a former All Star, even if they're coming off injury, to you know take a minimum deal and become try to be a part of a championship team. And it wouldn't surprise me if they do bring him back, but. There are concerns, right? Like, so the other thing that concerns me is that I'm not sure, just because I haven't seen him, again, can Boogie still get his own shot? Is he a guy who you can drop the ball into the post and he can work out and, you know, maybe create off the dribble if he's on the perimeter against slower-footed bigs? I just wonder if Boogie can create his own shot or if he's, you know, because of injury and and almost two years out of the league almost diminished into more of a role player like in this mm-hmm. league like a, in a in a canter who gets you buckets off the bench you know um but i i just wonder you know that's that's just something that i think you need to to have in the back of your mind um obviously they have the relationship there with boogie so that's all good you know Right. I think they'll have a better sense for what his capabilities are in that area much, much more than we will from the outside speculating. Oh, yeah. If we look at just what he did in the 40 total games he played with Golden State between the regular season and the playoffs in in 2019, 2018, 2019, his post-up efficiency was less than 0.9 points per possession. It was a little bit below average, but right in that average to below average range. But that's not super efficient offense if we're just looking at him as a scorer. I think where you would hope for him to supplement that would be the the passing out of the post. And his ratio of post pass outs relative to him just trying to score for himself was about uh, it, it was like 70-30 in terms of him trying to score versus him passing out. And he's always been a good post passer. So that would be one way to help boost the effectiveness there. Um, he'll probably have worse opportunities to pass out if he's not demanding extra help in the post. But he certainly has that capability. I think even if athletically he's a little diminished, his IQ and his passing will stay where it has been. Um, so I think that helps you work around it, but I, I don't see him as someone we would want 
as a post-up scorer going in the post and, and trying to do damage all the time. I, I think thinking back to the offensive archetypes we talked about, he might be someone you want more as a, I don't know, probably more of a, a playmaking versatile big. He'll he'll get some in the post. He'll be a stretch big at times. He's going to pick and pop. He'll pick and roll a little bit. I'd like him doing a little bit of everything. And if he's able to do a little bit of everything, that will be to his benefit because at certain times in certain lineups, you might only want him stretching the floor or you might only want him attacking a small ball five in the post, or you might really need him to be a pick and pop guy or a short roll playmaker or things like that. So I, I would definitely think it's worth a look because there's tons of upside there, but I do think there's, there's real concern about how effective can he be as a post scorer. Thankfully it's not like, He's he's a, a guard that's getting his offense from getting to the rim and, and he's lost a step. He's a lot of his work is his strength and he's a physical player and he's got good technique and getting good post position. So I, from that standpoint, even if he's lost a step, I think it'll hurt him less than it might if he were like a guard that was a self-creator sort of player. And there is a certain kind of draw, right, with a guy like Boogie who can be dominant in a physical way, which is what the Lakers kind of leaned into this year with Dwight Howard. And there's not a lot of guys out there. You know, you're not just going to be able to bring Jan Mahinmi in and have a physical dominating presence the way that you did with Dwight Howard. And Boogie Cousins is that guy. He's been a bully in the post his whole career. And uh, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of a if Dwight opts out or Dwight decides to sign with someone else, um, that's an option that the Lakers can try to build on that strength a little more. But changing things up a little here from Boogie, one of the names that excites me the most that's, you know, in in high, high contention this offseason is Serge Ibaka. Now, I don't know what you want. Serge Ibaka is somehow only 30 years old. It feels like he's like a Marcus Gasol, 35-year-old guy, but he's not. And he's coming off an amazing year with Toronto, an amazing stint with Toronto these last four years, to be honest, and got his three-point percentage up above 38% this last season. Guy who can help you defend the rim and spread the floor. So th- that is a really, really valuable commodity. And think about like, yeah, Markeith Morris on the Lakers as, in a role, but someone who can, you know, help on the weak side and contest at the rim while also really spreading the floor at a high level. But this guy's going to be in high demand, Tim. If you if you can slam Serge Ibaka, obviously you do. Is there any other thing that's stopping you uh, other than money? Not that I can really think of. He's he's a great fit. He's a very good player. He's going to demand a lot of attention from teams. And with the specific skill set that he has in being able to be more of a mobile big, play different types of ball screen coverages, be switched a little bit, defend the rim well, space the floor. He's not like a big playmaker, but he's clearly shown that he can execute some of the short role playmaking situations which is something that we saw Portland desperately need in the playoffs against the Lakers or Houston really desperately need when we were double teaming them and they got four on threes and couldn't score. Being able to have guys that can play inside a a little bit, play outside, defensively defend the rim, be switchy, be mobile. He, He could be a big piece for a lot of teams that would change the way that they're able to either play their defensive scheme or on the offensive end, attack different ball screen coverages. So He'll be coveted. If you get him to LA, I think it's pitching a title to him saying, hey, you're a little bit older. This is your chance. 
if you go to LA, you know, he's a guy that may have interest on the, we know he's a great chef. Maybe he has interest in, in starting some of that, uh, get, get some of that Hollywood going um, and, and build up his personal brand as he's getting towards the later stages of his career. Um, if you can get him in LA for the next one or two or three years to do what he's doing, recognizing he's not at like his peak athletic form, but he's still a very good, uh, he's still very good in a number of different ways. I, I'd be happy. I'd be thrilled to have him in. And I think for him, it would be more of a matter of getting him to buy in to signing with LA more than getting LA to believe in, in going after him. And he's not a uh, he could be a title chaser, but he already has one. Right. Obviously, he won with Kawhi in Toronto a couple of years ago. But, you know, sometimes these guys want the glory of another ring and uh, could be an interesting, uh, interesting fashion show to see Serge Ibaka and Kyle Kuzma in the locker room every night for the Lakers. Um, but. He would be a guy who would command, rightfully, every dollar of our mid-level exception. Mm-hmm. So what's the kind of the pathway? Is this Serge Ibaka only signs if KCP leaves, do you think? Or is there – I know that's not like – positionally they're not tied, but you know, you want to try and kind of stay under the tax or, or you know, use as much of that um, uh, possibilities as you can in free agency. So – I don't know. Do you think that Serge Ibaka is kind of like contingency like three, four? Or is he higher in the in the list? If let's say Dwight leaves, because we'll, we'll assume JaVale opts in. If Dwight leaves and there is a big man roster spot, I guess what you'd look at is would I rather have KCP and Boogie if Boogie would be cheaper? Or would I rather have Ibaka and then be looking at one of the guys that we spoke about on Monday, like a like a uh, Langston Galloway, maybe, or a Josh Jackson, or one of one of those guys, a Kyle Korver, perhaps. Kyle Korver or Galloway would be more direct fits for for what KCP brings, um, or Glenn Robinson. That would be what you have to play out in your head. And we know the Lakers already have a good number of guards, so perhaps they're willing to shift their money, shift their focus to the big man side of things, especially, and I think only if it's a guy that can play in the playoffs and play alongside AD effectively, which I think he'd be able to do. If it were Boogie demanding this kind of money, I'd be more hesitant um, just because of what that does to your roster construction. I, I think that's a great question. I think our next and our last free agency pod should be, we we kind of bucket players and say, okay, the, these two guards, these two wings, these one or two bigs will be worth our MLE. Here's the BAE group. Here are some of the minimum guys. What's the best mixing and matching of our own players bringing them back and some of those external options that gives you the best, most cohesive, effective group? Um, because in a vacuum, I love a lot of them. But in reality, if you bring Ibaka, you won't be able to get some of those other players. So it'll be worth digging into. I'd love to flesh out the numbers a little bit more. Um, but yeah, he, he will certainly be part of that discussion. Yeah. And every grouping so far, we've talked about the player that probably won't happen. The Goran Dragic, the Danilo Gallinari, the Serge Ibaka's, if you will. But those uh, in the relative price range are the most 
realistic for a guy to take a little bit of a discount to try and come to the Lakers and win a championship. So if one of those three players is somehow willing to sign with the Lakers, I think the Lakers are more than willing to, you know, call an audible. And this is all a part of their contingencies plan, I'm sure. And say, look, you get the best players and you fit in, you know, it's not lack of loyalty or anything like that because KCP is going to have a market. If they choose not to bring Rondo back, he's going to have a market. This is business. Yeah, they want to run it back, but at the same time, mm-hmm. they got to do what's best for them, right? So yeah, and you can't wait on KCP. You you mm-hmm. can't wait on KCP like he's Kawhi and right. lose out on other good options if if he's maybe not the best option available or in that same tier of guys. Go go strike quickly, strike fast. Uh, get the best group that you can and if that means you're running it back then then go ahead but you certainly I think should be open to and I'm assuming Rob has a big whiteboard full of all kinds of different Mm -hmm. contingencies okay if we bring KCP back here are the bigs we're looking at if Mm -hmm. we bring Dwight back and we don't need a big man spot here's how we might fit Boogie in here like all kinds of different stuff like that yeah absolutely and Serge Ibaka to me is uh the the better outcome end of this offseason you know if the lakers can come out of this offseason with serge Ibaka, glenn robinson and kyle corver as a depth piece and replace uh dwight howard kcp and um markeith morris i think you got something there you probably need another you know big wing to kind of like small ball five maybe to you know replace some of those markeith minutes but you can do that with Ibaka. You know, you don't have to play Ibaka and AD at the same time all the time. Serge Ibaka can play, you know, 30 minutes a game if you need him, and he could play next to LeBron as well. There's a lot of versatility there. Mm-hmm. If Ibaka and LeBron are your four and five, you know, next to Caruso, Rondo, and Kuz, like that, that gets pretty interesting pretty fast to me. Yeah, and with any of the pieces that you're investing a lot of money in, I believe just in general Lakers are another team you want them to be someone that can play and and stay on the court it if we think about the Lakers this past playoff and how versatile they were able to be while benching guys for entire series the guys they were benching were JaVale at his four million a year or Dwight at like the minimum or Markeith Morris at like whatever we didn't even give him a full minimum I don't think just because he signed so late in the year I don't those guys at those contracts are really easy to set aside without it negatively impacting the rest of your roster. If you're spending among your salary cap, 12 million on a guy or 9 million on a guy, and you need to bench him for a whole playoff series, that inherently means that you're, you're in a worse situation than you otherwise would be. So Ibaka is attractive in that among all the different big options, he's someone that could probably stay on the court no matter what that situation looks like. And if he's not, he's not. But in most situations, he'll be able to. All right. Now, moving on to a guy who's got a little bit of news. He's in LeBron's uh, timeline on his Instagram talking about Tristan Thompson. They have had a nice little rapport over social media the last few days seeing Tristan Thompson speculation interest from the Lakers possibly um we don't have official reporting I don't think but I I do believe that's kind of the scuttlebutt if you will um so Tristan Thompson obviously we we saw him win a championship with LeBron in Cleveland he is gosh 
very up and down player, it seems. Uh, and it's very much tied to quality of team uh, as well, because he is not been as relevant, but I do think if you put him on a team where he doesn't have to do too much, he can clean up the the glass, he can defend the rim, he's still got some pretty quick feet for a big guy. So, I mean, I could see him fitting next to, to AD and LeBron, Tim. I, I can see him fitting. I don't see him as the perfect solution if we want him to be who JaVale McGee was this year. If we want him to be a finisher at the rim, be a, a role man, and then defend the rim. Those are actually two areas where he's he's dropped off a bit the past couple seasons, even if you adjust for the context in which he's he's within. Among the different big man options, I think his interior defense is is on the lower end. It's still obviously better than like signing a wing or a point guard or something, but he's not quite that same domineering rim protector that we saw three or four or five years ago. And, and that's as with him getting older, he's 30 years old. He's an undersized center already. Um, and if we look at his finishing at the rim, he's been in, in our finishing at rim metric, which looks at degree of difficulty. It should adjust for the spacing and all those different things that could be impacting his scoring at the rim. His rating has been lower than 95% or more of NBA players each of the past three seasons. So, and if you just look at his raw effectiveness, he was one of the NBA's worst role men this year. I think he was second worst. So, in that job, I don't see him as the best option or the, the best way to be most effective. However, there are specific areas that he's strong in, and I can see him being a, if, if you put him in a better role for him, a potential step up or, or a potential asset on the team. As a perimeter defender, this past season, his data wasn't great, but in in each of the previous seasons, he was pretty good defending in ball screen situations, defending off ball situations. He hasn't honestly been used all that versatilely in the past. For example, in this season, he defended power forwards or centers for 75% of his time on defense, which got him a, a D minus positional versatility. He wasn't really switching. He wasn't joining your, your point guard, shooting guards, whatever. Part of that is how he was deployed. And I think, and, and if we just look at his versatility in the past, he's never been a guy that's been used as if he's versatile. But we see on film and we see in some of the numbers how he has been effective and there's upside there if the Lakers were to throw him in our scheme, use him in a switchable manner, I think he can have a better defensive impact playing more of that almost a Marquise role than a Dwight role or a JaVale role defensively. Uh, another area that he's developed, and I don't know if you quite buy into it or not, is his perimeter shooting. He had an impressive, it was a B minus, three-point shot making rating, which is pretty good for a big Uh he still had an F perimeter shooting talent grade this year just because the volume was so small, like just tiny sample. But if that's legit and you bring him in in workouts and he's he's nailing threes, that would be a big piece of his game. That could be really interesting uh, from a playmaking standpoint. He's, he's not a playmaker, but he's gotten a little bit better from a ball mover standpoint. Uh, like you said, he's still a really good rebounder. Uh, so I, I, I can see him. Instead of being like a roll and cut big on offense and an anchor big on defense, if he can be more of a, I don't know, floor spacer maybe on offense, a a stretch big uh, that does a little bit of rolling is picking up some of those garbage man possessions. And then defensively, you're able to use as a perimeter big or a mobile big and use his foot speed, use his versatility, play into the fact that he's undersized instead of sticking him at a job that demands him to defend the rim all the time. 
I think you can have a path for upside where even when you get to the playoffs, he's able to stay on the court because he's a switchable dude that can hit threes and defend in different kinds of ball screen situations. Now, he might not be that guy. On a higher volume, maybe his three-point shooting isn't good. Maybe the perimeter defense has fallen off the way that it looked like it did last season out of almost nowhere. It wasn't like a slow decline. It was fall off a cliff last season. And, and the film didn't look good either. Maybe that's effort. Maybe that's still there. Um, so there's upside. And, you, you you know, we've seen what he's done in the past. And, and he's still a good rebounder. And he has that LeBron connection. So he's an interesting enigma wrapped in a puzzle, wrapped in a taco, wrapped in another taco. Uh, of I can see the upside, but if it's not there, I don't know about it. And if you, let's say we replace Dwight with him and he's not able to cut it, can you bench JaVale and him next playoffs? Probably not. But if you bring Dwight back and then JaVale were to leave and you replace JaVale with Tristan Thompson, he can be that regular season innings eater. And then in the playoffs, you cut him out of the rotation just fine. If, if, he doesn't if that upside doesn't materialize. So I would be, I don't know, I'd be a little cautious with Thompson, but I see the upside and I see the appeal. I mean, part of the issue though is that he can't, I mean, Tim 39% from three. Yes. Okay. On 0.4 attempts per game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do you trust a sample like that? Because I don't. No, not at all. Our math doesn't. I don't. If it's okay. if it's there, then it's interesting. But it's I wouldn't I wouldn't trust it. Right. I would I would look into it a little bit more. Yeah, but, but I wouldn't trust yeah. it enough to to say that okay, this is what you do now. Mm-hmm. But okay, so if you if you if it's not there, and you say okay, you're going to be a role man. You're going to finish at the rim. He can still rebound, but he hasn't finished at the rim well in three years. Four it's four seasons ago he finished well at the rim. It's not just like last year, he kind of fell off a cliff. These were like on Cavs teams that went to the playoffs three years ago. He was not good at finishing at the rim. So I don't buy the effort piece of it for that reason. Um, if you're just looking at raw numbers, I think it can be harder to discern where and when and how and why guys fall off. But with the the data that's adjusting for the degree of difficulty, he just he just doesn't look good the past three years. If the perimeter defense has fallen off, you're in trouble. But if it's there but he can't finish at the rim well, he can't shoot well, it's still hard to see a great path for him or a reason to sign him over some of the other options available. Really quick, well, I'm going to I'm gonna say this last thing on him. If you don't mind looking up like what where Bobby Marks has him going as far as the dollars range, uh, I'm curious about that. Because if you're talking about, you know, a minimum guy, it's a little bit easier to justify. But anything, you know, kind of above that, and it's harder for me because – but here's, here's why I like Tristan Thompson at least – in theory, as a Dwight Howard replacement, because the thing that was so important about Dwight this year was that he finally learned how to play and make the team better without having the ball in his hands, you know, at doing all everything else to make the team better and setting hard screens at cleaning up the glass, putbacks, lobs. Those are all things we've seen Tristan Thompson do over the course of his career. He's been the cleanup guy, and I think he can make a team better and not have to have the ball in his hands at any point in time. And with for a team with two superstars, that's valuable to me, especially if it's a lower minimum level player. But again, so where, where does Bobby Marks have him, Tim? I'm trying to get to load quickly enough, but I believe he's 
he's got to be minimum, or if he's not minimum, he'd be in the two to four million range. Go right. go buy ESPN Plus to find out. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I can pull uh, up. No, I think th- I think that's like yeah. I if you have Javale there, I think Tristan Thompson at that price is is not the worst. Mm-hmm. But then you, if you do still have JaVale, then you would have to def- depend on JaVale in the playoffs if Thompson doesn't pan out. So that's the, okay. Oh, wait, hang on a second. Bobby Marks has him at eight to $10 million. So I am very, See, that's very another, off if that if that's at anywhere yeah. close to accurate. And Bobby Marks has right. been off in the past. But if that is anywhere close to accurate, sure. I, definitely a, a hard no for me. If he's at the minimum, yeah, it's I a agree. different deal. If he's at the minimum, the only downside is if he's taking a roster spot away from someone that I can trust a little bit more and know we can play in the playoffs, which could could be that Dwight kind of guy. Because then the downside is if Thompson doesn't pan out, then you do have to play JaVale, and we know we would prefer not to have to play JaVale. So, yeah, that, I think that's our analysis on Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I, the, money, the money changes everything. So no thanks on Tristan Thompson if he's – in that range, eight to ten million, even in the like five plus million, man. I'm I gotta say, like, I guess maybe we didn't realize that the market for Tristan Thompson's a little better than we realized, and even that maybe we're lower on him. Cause I'm not opposed to him on the team, it's just the price point, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And he's played starter minutes on it on an NBA team for the past couple of years. So it's not like he's a low bench guy. So the analysis maybe a little different from that. And I think part of it is he's getting older. He's not as good as he used to be. And it's hard to really tell when he's on a team that's not competing. And he's in a situation where like the coaching staff changed and they weren't being optimized well. So there was a lot going on around him that makes him a tough guy to analyze. But what's tricky with player analysis is like contextualizing things, evaluating it and then keeping in mind like, Hey, he is 30. He's an undersized center. Uh, and some of these things have been diminishing over time. And just looking at some of the things that he's done on tiny volume and assuming it'll happen while also looking at what he used to be and assuming those parts will come back is really the like rose. What is it? What's the phrase? The rose colored glasses. glasses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's not a likely outcome is he's going to have a resurgence and be who he used to be a couple of years ago while also being good at the things that he hasn't shown he can do on any sort of volume yet so he's a tricky tricky one someone if someone pays him 10 million i would be happy with that i just hope it's not us amen to that um there's another guy here who's also a former champion who makes some sense i think and lakers drafted this guy it's marcus all um so he's won his title in toronto last season do you think that marcus Gasol? would be willing to move again. You know, there's been reports that he's trying to go back to Spain, maybe some on some more routes because he's bounced around the last couple of years. Do you think that he would take a minimum deal to try to win another title with the Lakers? Maybe. Uh, if he is willing to, I think the Lakers have a good shot. I, I've seen conflicting reports I, I believe the order of events was there were reports that he was going to sign with like barcelona or real madrid or someone overseas mm-hmm. and then his agency came out and refuted that but since then we haven't heard much noise and anytime i do talk about him on twitter i'll 
have people asserting that he is going to Spain without much sourcing on that or any newer information. So it may not even be available. We will have to see exactly what that looks like. Um, but if he is staying, he's another guy just in that same Ibaka sort of way that can be a short role playmaker. But Gasol has been a higher volume playmaker and has some pretty good playmaking data. He's, he's getting high quality, high efficient, looks for teammates. He's a good shooter. He's been a good shooter. Um, another guy that's not, he, he's not the most versatile. I think with Ibaka, you have more versatility. With Thompson, you might have more versatility. With Gasol, he's a stronger perimeter defender for a big in that he's good at like drop coverage and he's good at the big man side of on and off ball actions. He's not the switchiest dude. He's not going to be a big plus defender uh, on guards on the perimeter. He's not someone you want like defending a ball screen as, as like the guard defender. Um, but in a way he is a strong perimeter defender. And I do think he's, he's gotten older. That's fallen off a tiny bit. I think in the playoffs, it looked worse than it had over the rest of the season. And he's 35. He's he's a whole five years older than some of the other players we've spoken about. So you you may have some concern about the age, but if he's gettable at a good price and he can space the floor, he can do a little bit of ball moving or short oil playmaking, or he can be the trigger man in some sets. I think that's valuable. He's a good rim protector. He deters shots at the rim. He can test a lot of shots at the rim. He impacts shots taken at the rim. And from an impact standpoint, he was still with it this year. A or A minus, you know, Raptor, RPM, PIPM, just across the board. So I, I think he's a pretty attractive option. And Bobby Marks has his projection at four to $6 million. I'd be more than willing to, to go after that. With him, you, I, I think he's a good option. He'll be in this, the discussion when we talk about, okay, if we spend that money on him, who does that take us out of contention for? But I think he'll certainly be at least on that menu that I would be looking to to target. And Gasol makes their offense so much better because he is the kind of big who you can put in a corner if you absolutely need to. You know, the way he stretched the floor, um, you know, in those last few years in Memphis and then and then more recently with Toronto, he can at least give you the ability to space the floor and run some LeBron AD pick and rolls while giving you some size and some rim protection behind AD. Um, you know, in that situation, I would probably rather start Marcus all obviously. So JaVale's role becomes a little, you know, is he going to run with that second unit? I'm <clears throat> less kind of excited by that because I think JaVale needs some plus players to kind of raise his floor we already saw like the Lakers starting five had, you know, were got in trouble in a lot of games during the regular season where they got down and then the Lakers had to kind of climb out of a little bit of a hole. But, you know, I that's just where I, my concern is what that how that affects JaVale's role and kind of the not to say you can't do it. I think you can. It's just accepting that JaVale, you're not going to start every every game. You know, if we do get an improvement like Gasol, Abaca, um, I'm not sure if he'd start over Thompson, but I think you can make an argument for it. So that's that's an element of this. Like, do you want you feel good bringing in a guy? You know, you're going to start over JaVale and accept have him accept that bench role. I'd, I'd be OK with it. And if you need to start games with a stint of JaVale and then those that's the only time he ever plays with the starters, you don't want to be spotting teams points and you probably want to start the game with your best lineup. But if that's what it takes to make the locker room work you can look into it and then if it doesn't work make a, a case and say hey 
we've tried this for 20 games. We're, we're still going to be the one seed. It's fine. But this isn't working. Here's what we're thinking will help the team win. And if if guys can't accept that, then that's that's not the type of attitude I'm looking for. Um, I think you can certainly give both guys a chance. I think just the, the way this season is going to play out with the Lakers having just won and having such a short turnaround – opens the 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 door for more experimenting and maybe less feelings hurt if different things are tried early on so that can help build the case to then say okay this is what our rotation is going to look like for the second half of the season we're going to start mark over you or we're going to start you over mark or you're going to start but then your minutes are going to be limited and he's going to play with that starting group for the rest of the game i don't know what it looks like you be flexible there's a lot to consider but uh i do agree with you that gasol would be probably a caliber higher than JaVale when we look at who might be best with that that starting group. Although JaVale is a better rebounder, I would say. Um, and, and JaVale certainly has a, a good skill set to be one of those pieces like we talked about and we talked about uh, with with Thompson where he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can, he's not spacing the floor, but he can, he can create that functional spacing just being a lob threat, sending screens, being in the dunker spot, whereas Gasol a little bit more. And I think figuring that out would be its own challenge, but there's plenty of opportunity for that to work. Uh, it would just be a, a different fit with the starting unit. But I mean, Gasol on this team kind of working as our, our Jokic, you know, with guys cutting off of him, you know, you, you could could play a second unit around Gasol as in Rondo. I think those, you know, really smart players. I think Gasol's, you know, his entire career has had a pretty good defensive rating. You know, he's a plus defender. This guy uh, won defensive player of the year, right? So uh, even though he's up there in age, he's just, uh, we know the good souls. We know Powell. You know, we love Powell. I've always loved Mark um, and really enjoyed watching the, those Memphis teams. So, uh, man, as far as like, is it worth the money? <clears throat> I think yes. I think there is risk tied to it that might not necessarily be tied to Tristan Thompson or Serge Ibaka but uh as far as practicality I think it's realistic I do wonder if he was questionable about playing this season with the COVID protocols you know it's just he's got a family you know you're going to be traveling this season it's not a bubble there's a little bit less security a little bit less certainty so is five to six million dollars gonna entice that maybe I don't know you know I'm sure he knows the Lakers organization well through his brother. So he wouldn't understand at least what he's signing up for. So I think those are all positive, you know, kind of takeaways from tr- targeting Marcus Hall. Yeah, I, I think when we think about what he can be on a playoff team and we talk about not just the 82 game guys or 72 or 60 or whatever the regular season ends up being, but the 16 game guys, Gasol right, right. and how you use him defensively is more an 82 game player where he is a more mobile big than many in a good perimeter defensive big within a drop coverage scheme. He's not going to be the switchy guy that the Lakers would be keeping out on the floor that in theory, Tristan Thompson might be able to be, or we know Markeith Morris can be, or we know for sure AD is. So I can see it playing out. And we saw this with Toronto this past season where his minutes do drop a bit in the playoffs because he can't quite play the full spectrum of, of defensive coverages at the same level that other options of the, on the team might be able to be. Now, I trust his shooting. I trust his playmaking. Those are legit. Those are there. They've been there. They're going to be there. It's not 
like Thompson where we don't know about the shooting or there are certain other things that haven't been good that were good in the past and you have to guess in terms of what they might be in the future. We know what Gasol is to a certain extent. He's capped in a sense based on that perimeter defense and what that might mean in the playoffs. But that's kind of the same sort of deal as Dwight and JaVale were this past year. So just just keep that in mind where in the playoffs, he might not be able to be relied upon and he might not play in a series the same way we saw Dwight this past season or JaVale. But boy, would that be a fun team to have Marcus Gasol on a mm-hmm. team with other just amazing, you know, all time level passers that would add. It'd be like adding, a you know, Alonzo or someone like that to 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 this team, which would just be so exciting. See the ball kind of move, you know, inside the paint, the big to big passing like we had with Bynum and Powell. It'd be exciting. Yeah, I'm for it. I'm I'm pro sign Marcus Gasol. He's got a lot of great skills and he'd be a fun add to the team. Okay, moving on to the next guy, Nerland's Noel. Um, this guy has had kind of a rocky start to his career after going pretty high to the Sixers in the draft. Um, and I think he spent last year in OKC, if I'm not mistaken. Kind of struggling to get some minutes off the bench there at times. Talk to me. I've seen less of him, Tim, in the last couple seasons. Is is Nerland's like a legit role player level guy these days? I'd say so. He's he's a rolling cut big offensively. He's an anchor big defensively. He's has really, really impressive passing lane defensive data. He's got a really good sense for when to be deflecting passes or jumping the passing lane and, and creating turnovers, which can be really valuable. He's a good roll man. He's a good cut guy. He'll finish dump offs. He'll like actually cut and get the ball cutting, which is a cool thing that he would add. Uh, as a rebounder, he's pretty weak. He's not a post player. He's not going to be doing much damage from a like a pick and pop standpoint. Uh he's another guy that like had some okay percentages on like crazy small volume, not to the point that I'd trust it. Uh but he finishes really well at the rim and can can roll. I don't know. He can be a garbage man. He would be a good if you want a guy that can play for the Lakers like JaVale McGee played for the Lakers, he would bring you that same sort of thing where he's he's the garbage man he's a lob threat he's not a playmaker he's not the best rebounder uh it's still an okay like a pretty good rim defender um i I certainly see a role where he can make a lot of sense he has a a silver protector badge he this past season had a silver nuclear upside badge which is a badge that we use at b-ball index that looks at his game by game box plus minus and it, it what that tells us him having silver there means that he was able to take over a number of games with his offense and defense combined on enough occasions that it kind of was an outlier frequently enough that he was in that silver group of players. So so among other players with nuclear upside badges, we see like LeBron or AD or Kawhi or Nikola Jokic or James Hardner, those players who we know can go off. We know can have a crazy game, Giannis and just Steph Curry, those guys. He was in the silver group. He was in that second tier of players. And I think a big piece of that was because of his defense. So he can he can be really positively impactful. Um, we saw him this past season have a A minus PIPM, uh, a B plus Raptor, B plus RPM. So I certainly see a path for him to be a, a pretty good role player and someone that let's see what Bobby Marks has him at four to six million. Same as same as Gasol. 
So I'm just curious uh, what goes into that um, that badge because is it like having a string of positive plays in a row on offense and defense, like you know, stringing together a run, or how does that put, not quite it put together? It is. So what it looks at is basically you look at every single player in the league and you plot out every game that they've played and what their box plus minus was for that individual game. And Mm. BPM looking at a whole season isn't the best that we have because we have better metrics at this point in time. But for a single game, it does as good of a job as as any other stat just because like on off numbers and stuff like that. So funky on small samples. Right. So it looks at uh, Nerlens Noel's impact in his 80 games or his 70 games was here, 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 wherever. And you plot everybody all against each other. And what we do is we look at the high end and we identify the players with the highest percentage of their games that were in the, the, the top end, the outliers among impact. Because for the most part, guys are just doing what they do and it's all within the same realm. But then you have your Giannis's, you have your LeBron's who like in an individual game might have a, a BPM of like plus seven or plus 10 or plus 12 or something bonkers that isn't sustainable for the course of a season but for an individual game you can just take over and and truly be just truly have a high impact so it's it's not necessarily looking at strings of plays but for the course of an entire game if obviously if you put together a good enough box score that it says you've been you know incredibly positively impactful whether that be a bunch of blocks and steals which this is someone who can do that or just be getting a bunch of points really efficiently, which he's somebody that can do that if, if he's able to be a, an effective role man, um, finishing dump offs. He's not creating for himself, but that that essentially is what that badge is looking at. And I can while we're talking, I can pull up a list of who, who are at those different levels within the badge. Well, I was just wondering because, okay, so what I'm trying to pull up here is, is that badge just for last season or was that, you know, going back a couple of seasons. This is just for last season. So I, I, what I think of when you tell me that is that's Chris Paul. That's Chris Paul's brilliance in the pick and roll. Uh, find, you know, always making the right read, whether it's to shoot that pull up, whether it's to drop it off or lob. And I, I don't know. I, I'm less like convinced of that badge. So let me add some more context. Here are the other players that had a silver nuclear upside badge. Uh, Bam Adebayo, DeAndre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, Clint Capella, Hassan Whiteside, Stephen Adams, Paul George, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Middleton, Chris Paul, Mitchell Robinson, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice, Nikola Vucevic, and Kemba Walker. So you have other role player type of guys who they're not going to do it enough that they get the gold, but based on their offense and their defense, and we see a lot of dudes in here that are shot blockers that might put up efficient points. He can be your second best player in a game just based on what the defense is giving you and him being that, that lob threat option that on the other end is able to generate a bunch of turnovers with picking off passes and getting deflections and uh, blocking shots. So it's it's not that you give the ball to Nerlens Noel and he's going to take the game over. It's that with his total contributions, just with looking at reality of what he's done, he's been on the higher end of being able to produce some of those outlier performances. I mean, if you're curious, take this with a grain of salt. Chris Paul and Nerlens Noel 
had a 110.1 offensive rating and a 103.6 defensive rating for a team mid the playoffs. You know, they they were a solid team. That's pretty good. Um, and that's on the better end of their defensive uh, th- uh, lineups for the two man uh, lineups, obviously. Um, I'm not opposed. Uh, what does Bobby Marks have him listed at? He has him at four to six mil, which if he's able to produce the same impact data in the same, uh, which which would be easier to replicate if in the same job, which I think he would be on the Lakers, which is anchor big and rolling cut big. If he's able to produce B plus A minus impacts, he'll he'll definitely exceed that projection. And I will say that his impact is leading with his defense more than his offense. 98th percentile defensive PIPM. He's, He's able to... Really, really produce some top top end defense. Apparently, if now if I recall correctly, Nerlens got an extension offer from Philadelphia, and he declined it. And he was a part of Clutch Sports at this time, and he has been kind of chasing that contract since. And if I'm sorry if this is wrong, but I believe he's left since left Clutch Sports. Uh, you just have to kind of consider all the all the parts of uh, pieces on the board, right? Um, also, how far down the offseason do you have to get to where Nerlens Noel for six million dollars is? You're feeling good about it. I, it's pretty far down on the contingencies for me. But I, to your point, I he's a young player. He's athletic. I I just uh, yeah, the basketball IQ there is is a question to me. He, I'll add some. I, I just did some quick googling. When he turned down the extension, it was not with Rich Paul, and then afterward he went with it. Rich Paul. And Understood. from what and I can he's tell, still he's with still clutch? with Clutch. Yeah. Okay, so my mistake. Thank you for that. Um, so then maybe there is a Clutch connection, right? Um, yeah, I just know that he turned down money, and he's been chasing it ever since. Um, and is someone else? gonna give him more money you know there's not yeah. a ton of money out there but that's they can give him more with the mid-level yeah how, how i see him is he's gonna give us what javel did that same kind of player so if javel were to leave for whatever reason if you trade him or if he opts out noel would be a guy to chase and if he takes the money bobby marks thinks his market is for that that works out well if he's looking for more honestly this this offseason might be might not be the time to try to find it. You might be able to convince him, hey, go to LA, win a title, increase your value, and then go cash out next season when more teams have more money. Um, but if he's out of our price range, he's out of our price range. But I, I think his fit on the team would be that JaVale type production. I don't think he has the same upside as a Boogie or an Ibaka um, or perhaps even a Gasol. So Nolan's Noel is another option. Um, I wanted to throw one other piece at you in the vein of the Wesley Matthews that threw out the other day in a guy that's technically got a player option, but it's not for very much. Um, what do you think about Willie Cauley Stein, who's on a $2.2 million player option with Dallas? Uh, obviously, he signed that with Golden State and was traded to Dallas, I think, once Dwight Powell got injured. But I like Willie Cauley Stein because he's he's big, he's fast, and he's got quick feet. So 
there's a world where him and Anthony Davis on the defensive end as rim protectors and getting up the court with LeBron James is like kind of really exciting to me. Yeah, I, I like it with him. He That's a really good name. Uh, I He wasn't on my radar because he's not yet a free agent. We'll see if he declines that option. And I think he may be able to get more if he does. Uh, about 27 years old, seven footer. He's another roll and cut big offensively. And that's kind of what he is. But like you said, he's got quick feet. He can run in transition. Uh, he actually has a bronze transition phenom badge, which looks at his volume and oh. efficiency in transition. So he's been that guy already on Dallas. I think he can he can be that guy for the Lakers. Defensively, he's really interesting because of that mobility. He's actually a mobile big. He's, he's one of those guys that can be switchy and pick and rolls. He can play more aggressive ball screen coverages, which is what you're looking for in the playoffs. He's kind of the opposite of a Gasol, where Gasol, you want him to be dropping, or like a Dwight or JaVale, you want to be dropping. Whereas with Willie Cauley-Stein, while also being a good rim protector, like you mentioned, he can play those more aggressive coverages, which is what you want in the playoffs. You want to be able to be flexible and be able to have guys that are you can throw out there and instead of Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee trying to contain Dame Lillard in a hard hedge or one of those catch hedges, this is someone who you can have much more confidence with with that kind of assignment. So I think that's really interesting in looking at his finishing data. He finishes really well at the rim. Uh, he's not a playmaker, but he's at least been efficient with his pa- passes. So he's not making careless turnovers. He's been a, a pretty good role man, not a shooter, not a pop guy, but sets a lot of screens. He's not a post player, but he, he he's good at a couple things offensively that are have a lot of overlap with other players that we've spoken about or already have on the roster. But defensively, he would bring a differentiated skill set with being as quick as he is, as good of a perimeter defender as he is. And we're still fine-tuning fine-tuning the perimeter defensive talent grade 2.0 at people index. But whenever that does come out, he is most likely going to be on the top end, probably one of the top two or three or four bigs when it comes to perimeter defense. Because his... His data is just very, very good on ball, off ball, ball screens, ISO, playing passing lanes. He does a really good job with all of that. And I think that fits well into what the Lakers would like to do. He hasn't been used in the most versatile role defensively, which I think I view as more upside for the Lakers if they can uh, tap into that a bit more. Um, But yeah, he's, he's somebody I'd have a lot of interest in if he is available and he would be probably higher on my list than a Noel just because of what the defense might be able to bring to you and provide a different look from JaVale or Dwight uh, if you have one or both of them back next season. I mean, like I mentioned, he's 27. Um, This guy still, still looks pretty good in the league to me. So I wouldn't be shocked if he got a two year deal from someone and that might be kind of a roadblock here as well obviously he's making just barely above the minimum so it's easy for him to get more than he's making in his current deal and if you threw a two-year you know 10 million dollar contract at this guy which i don't think is terrible uh valuation that's somebody who you could put next to ad for multiple years to come and that to me is an option that I would feel comfortable doing, you know, as far as like, let's let's figure this out. I I also think it would happen mainly if Boogie leaves, um, you know, Boogie signs somewhere else for a little more money. Um, 
that's the kind of situation where I could see them surveying and say, hey, Willie, like you should opt out mm -hmm. and we'll sign you for two years and, you know, 10, 12 million dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, you can have a player option in the second one if you want it. But come here. We think you fit next to AD. You're the right age, I think. You're the right like timeline for AD. And, you know, LeBron's going to be able to get you open buckets, get you up the court and transition during the regular season. So you don't have a chance to make even more money maybe when you're, you know, yeah. coming out of free agency at 29. Right. It's the mix of putting him in the right situation to appreciate his value, raise his value, yes. while at the same time, if he has a player option, providing the security for – if it doesn't happen in next season, he he would make more money coming back. Here's uh, some interest. So his projection for Bobby Marks, he's actually on this list, would be two to four million dollars, which is lower than I think you can get out of him. I, I think he yeah. can be higher in this list. And he, there are 21 different centers listed higher than him that are projected to make more money this offseason. So it, I see two things in that. One, he might not opt out because of this. He might say, all right, I'm not going to be able to make more money. I'll just come back. Two, if he does opt out, he might be cheap just because money will be spent elsewhere. And if he truly is the 20, what, 22nd guy on this list among centers from a money standpoint, you're going to be able to get him at, at relatively cheap. But then if that's the case, I don't know if he does opt out. So I, I think the approach that you pitched where you give him that two-year Second year with the player option deal is the way to go, whether it's two for 10, two for eight, two for nine. Mm -hmm. I think that's somewhere mm -hmm. in the range where I would be comfortable with it, think that we can get excess value on what he's able to provide. And like you said, he's a really great, great fit to have out there alongside AD. Having those guys as your four and five, just all over the court, covering, you know, Huge. contesting threes, defending at the rim, yeah. being able to play any screen yeah. coverage. That's, that's incredible. That's another yeah. evolution of kind of what you want in small ball where you can be switchy and play different coverages, but you're not small. huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's big small ball in, in where you get a lot of the benefits of small ball without actually needing to go small at all. So I, I think that's a really appealing option. The fact that AD can space the floor and, and play alongside him offensively it has me thrilled. So yeah, I would have him higher on my list than some of the other guys we talked about just because of that potential upside for the defensive fit while providing a lot of the same offensive value that we see in guys already on the roster with Dwight and JaVale, like Nerland. He just has a differentiating skill set that makes the upside for him fairly large. And if we look at the impact data that he put out this season, he he's done it. It's not like we're finding a diamond in the rough and needing to make something out of him. He's done it already. So if he can do it in Sacramento or Dallas or Golden State, I, I think he has a chance to be able to do it with us. More we talk about it, the more it excites me, man. Uh, but real quickly, I just want to run through some of the names um, in the center free agency list that are more likely to that you mentioned that we're probably higher in the, the 21 guys. So that we haven't talked about um, that are unrestricted free agents. So Hassan Whiteside, Bismack Biombo, Jan Mahimi, Mason Plumley. Stop me when you feel excited by any of these guys, Tim. <laughs> Myers Leonard. Plumlee's, I like Plumlee's playmaking as a as a handoff guy, but that's it. He's yeah. a good. He's also he's a fairly mobile. Uh, you can use him in different ball screen coverages as well. He can defend the rim a bit. He's he's an interesting player. I don't know if the Lakers get him. I think Denver tries to bring him back, but I would if he's cheap. I would have interest in him if he's available. So yeah, Mason Plumlee, uh, 
Myers Leonard, Aaron Baines is probably going to be, I would argue, a higher priority for a lot more of these teams than some of these other guys because mm-hmm. Baines, Baines has shown he, he stretched the floor last year uh, pretty well. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think he'll probably be out of our price range. And I think he'll be priced appropriately, maybe even slightly high for what he brings. And that's, you know, good for him. All right. So a couple more unrestricted free agents, right? Uh, Alex Len. He's got the you yeah. know same age as Willie Cauley Stein, but I, I just like more of what Stein can offer you. You know, uh, Tyson yeah. Chandler, Dwight Howard, obviously. Kyle LeQuinn, you know, anti Kyle LeQuinn, I think, just signed an extension. Oh, did he? I gotcha. Yeah, I think he recently signed an extension. Uh, and then, you know, the last couple, Jaleel Okafor, Damian Jones. These are all guys, I mean, come on. I, to me, there are only a few options on this bigs list that even make any sense for the Lakers. Uh, and uh, even fewer make sense and are in the price range. Yeah. Oh, I was wrong about Kyle O'Quinn. I'm mixing up mixing him up with uh, I forget the guy's name on Denver. Um. Yeah. No. Not a lot of exciting options. Not too many guys I'd want to pay a bunch of money. Uh. I mean, D- Derek Favors would be. He, he's someone right. I mentioned on the other pod as a. This could be an interesting small ball five player. Um. But the rest of these guys, and he might be out of our price range. Some these guys are either too expensive or not great fits or they don't have the right tendencies or skill sets to mesh well with what we provide. I I think we've done a pretty good job of identifying and covering the players who at least make some sense. I would be really surprised if the team goes and signs someone that we haven't at least talked about on one of these pods. Yeah, no, it, and there's different paths for different people. You know, some guys might opt out to take less money with the Lakers. That's totally a possibility. Uh, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. count on it, but there's so many conversations being had right now, and it's going to be such a flurry of of things uh, in the next couple weeks. But we'll be here. We're going to come back to you guys on Saturday, I think, uh, and um, and scheduling up another uh, talk about the uh, draft coming up with with Zach Milner. I'm thinking Saturday, maybe we go over – maybe we do our free agency like all right we've pitched right. 30 40 different guys what do we actually want right. to do what's our plan a what's our plan right. b um yeah like you said monday zach milner will be joining us to talk draft he i believe right now as we're recording is at a workout for one of the prospects uh, i don't know what he'll be able to share with us or not but he's very plugged in he's really good at what he does really good draft guy really good lakers follow as well so he's he's uh he was in our short list of meeting both of those worlds and, and can see things from our point of view. So uh, excited to, to get him on. He's done some work with B-Ball Index in the past. So he does. he's great at what he does. We'll be talking some dudes. I think we're going to go over maybe six or seven players. That makes sense. And I'm going to be like fact-checking him with uh, mock drafts to make sure that these guys aren't going way too early for us to even think about. Um, so, well, yeah, that, that'll be a fun one because I, this year, have no clue about any of these players. Um, other than some ones that we did some consulting with or, or on the team that that I enjoy watching. So uh, that'll be a fun one. And then next week, man, like a week from today, things things start happening. We've got the yep. draft and then free agency starts sometime in the, the few days after that. So 
everything will be moving quickly, but if you've been following these pods, you should be up to speed on what the guard wing and big options look like for the Lakers. So you'll be you'll be prepared and you'll be uh, going back to like the 17 minute mark of a pod from two weeks ago to figure out what a specific guy's good or bad at once the Lakers do sign him. So I'm I'm excited for that. Yes, yes, we will be bringing you draft coverage of the Lakers 28th pick. So you know exactly the kind of player that the Lakers are trading away this offseason. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm excited. I still I'm, I'm in very much team Lakers probably trade this pick, but it's important to kind of know what's around because, it, yeah, you got to mm-hmm. know what the teams deal with, whether they're thinking about trading yeah. away. Uh, and the draft's fun. Draft's a fun process. Yeah. And oh, I also told Zach to be prepared to talk about uh, later second round picks in case the Lakers do purchase a pick as we've seen them do in the past. That's a good so that's we'll, a good call, because, uh, yeah, yeah, I know there's, maybe we'll trade 28, but we'll then we'll have like 47 or something. No. Hey, I you mean, that's where we've been uh, succeeding in the draft. Uh, you know, those late picks, the Lakers have done a great job in their scouting department. But we will come back to you guys on Saturday and Monday to talk more about that stuff. Um, Yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.